In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So as we start this year, it's wonderful that we've come out of a, ser a series of celebrations from the New Year to our Nativity Feast to Theophany or Epiphany. And it's, it's good for us to see how embraced we are by God in so many ways and how he's always with us. But in particular, when we look at the Feast of Theophany, where our Lord goes into the Jordan, John the Baptist is there, and he says that he who called me said to me, whoever comes to you, and then the Spirit descends and waits upon them, this is the one you were preparing the path for. The Holy Spirit for us is a great, not only symbol of power, he is powerful. And because he's powerful, he gives us that power. It's easy for us to think of the Holy Spirit as a source of power, as an energy. In actual fact, he is God. And when we, <clears throat> especially as Orthodox Christians in our church, in our Coptic Orthodox Church, we believe in the sacraments. And so when we take the first sacraments, the first sacrament we receive is baptism, and then chrismation straight away. And of course there are many who will say, well, what's the point of infant baptism? Because children don't understand. And of course children don't understand as infants when they're only weeks into their lives. But if you look at the way God provides, the reason he has called us into this church, the reason our forefathers have looked at the way we do this, is to bring them into the fold straight away, to give them that power of God, that presence of the Holy Spirit in them. And so they become vessels of the Holy Spirit straight away. Of course, for, for them as they grow up, as for most of us, so most of us here would have been baptized as infants, but some of us here have been baptized as adults. And whether you are baptized as an infant or an adult, your faith is a daily decision. And we've spoke about this recently. It's a daily decision. It's a daily series of decisions where you think of what you do and how you do it and what you say and how you say it and the choices you make on a daily basis. And that determines whether we are living the Christian life or not. Whether we are Christians or not, of course we're Christians. We're baptized into the body of Christ. But whether we're living as Christians is a daily decision we make. But if we look at the role of the Holy Spirit in us, his role was so wonderful. His role was to empower us as humanity. If we look at the disciples, and the disciples went through a really tough time. So the disciples followed our Lord for, for three years, followed his ministry, followed his footsteps very literally, and as they progressed, they learned more and more and more. But at one stage, our Lord said to them, I've got to leave you. I'm going to go. 
But in Luke 24, 49, we read his reassurance. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Don't think of doing anything on your own, because this is not your work. This is God's work, and God's work through you. So don't go out thinking, this is you working. Don't go out thinking you can do this on your own, through your own power. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with the power from on high. Because the minute you receive that power, then, and only then, will you be able to do the work of my Father. And the same applies to us. You know, we can take credit all we want. We can pat ourselves on the back. We can do lots of different things. We can think that we're doing everything on our own and consequently have pride. False pride. God wants us to be fellow workers. Okay, he's there doing things, but he wants us to do them with him. Don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying we're not doing it, but we're not doing it alone. And of course, that applies to the disciples when, on the day of Pentecost, and we'll read a bit later on, when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, they went out and they preached. They changed the lives of at least 3,000 people on that day. The 3,000 who actually accepted Christ and were baptized, let alone the countless, however many others, who were touched by the words, but not, that, not as much as to take that step. So, yes, of course, we are part of it. We are doing it, but not alone. And the reason it's not alone is because we have such a power that's given to us. Now, God is God. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. But at the same time, he has such a humility about him. He's a humble God. I want you to think, and I don't want you to say any of this out loud because it would be pretty embarrassing, but each one of you, if you were God, the world would be a very different place, right? If you were all-powerful, all-knowing, if you were perfect, if you had all authority to do all things, what would you do? The reason we sometimes abuse those powers, and we've seen it happen so often, we see people who take authority, take power, whether it's, you know, your fellow worker in the office, or the tea lady who doesn't want you to get the biscuits, or whether it's leaders of great nations, we see people take authority and they are blinded by that authority. And that's because what you're doing is taking an earthly power, applying it to a human being with shortcomings and failings, and you get that result. But if you take 
an unlimited heavenly power that is born by the unlimited, omnipotent, omnipresent God, then it's a very different equation. You see power, but a confident power. You know, you, you'll find people throughout your lives, and I'm sure you've met some of them already, who are genuinely powerful, but so confident that they don't need to present that power. They just live it. They don't need to speak about it. They don't need to flaunt it. They just live it. They, they are it. Whereas sometimes you get people who are trying to enforce their power so much and you realize that's out of weakness. This is how God is. He's, he is powerful. He is all powerful. He's the creator of the world. He's our creator. He's the savior of the world. But with that power also comes a dynamic presence of God. And that's why in Acts 2.2, 2, when the disciples are sitting there, as our Lord said to them, go and wait, so they went and they waited. When you see what happens at this point, then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. From heaven. That's where the power comes from. The Holy Spirit descending from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Imagine that house is you, is your life, is your heart. Imagine that house is the thing that is filled by the Holy Spirit. When you sit and you wait and you pray, and as you're doing all of that, suddenly you feel the rumblings of God descending into you, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, a whirlwind within you, spiraling, building up. That's exactly how it should be. We sometimes receive the Holy Spirit and then dampen Him down. It's, just, it's okay, just calm down. It's all right, you know, just, I don't really need that much power right now. I don't need to be that much of a witness. I don't need to have that much of an example. And God wants to work through us. And be assured that when God wants to work through us, there may not always be a big song and dance. Sometimes God wants to work discreetly but powerfully. Don't confuse power with mayhem. Power does not have to have a big song and dance and all lights and sounds show an extravaganza going by it. Sometimes the most powerful acts are the ones that are simple and organic. Those powerful acts are just godly. They happen. So when we are recipients of that power, we need to feel very blessed. But we also need to understand that we have received that power not just because we've had a burst of energy, 
That's not all it is. But it's because we've received God into our lives. You haven't gotten a burst of energy. You've swallowed a whole hydroelectric plant. You've swallowed the source of power, not just an outlet. And that's how we should live. If we go on the Acts, we read, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, that power is not given to us indiscriminately. That power is given to us for reason. So you have received power. You have received the Holy Spirit. You are vessels of God. But for a reason. Not to live selfishly. Not to just consume it and then let it run down. Not to just take it and file it away. But to do something with it. And what that something is, you may not know yet. But there is something. You may have already experienced it. You may be experiencing it now. You may continue to experience it for a long time. Or you may experience it in the future. And that calling may change in your life. Don't just do one thing and think, okay, fine, I've done that. Tick the box. I've received the Holy Spirit. I've done my thing. Okay, now I can go the rest of my life. This is not a bucket list experience. This is not, oh, filled by the Holy Spirit, tick, done that, now let's go somewhere else. This is a continuous work. It's a constant work. He continues to work in you. He continues to show you who He is. He continues to call you to do His work. And He continues to empower you to do that work. Because He continues to love you. We always look at the Holy Spirit being, yes, I need to do my thing. But what about the impact on others? You see, when we speak about the tongues of fire descending on each one of them independently, we think, wow, look what happened to the disciples. What about all of those they touched? What about those 3,000? The Holy Spirit will touch some people through other people. God may want to reach someone through you. And don't forget the words here. See again, when we read this, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, we think, oh, they spoke in tongues. But if you read it properly, it says, and they spoke with other tongues, which meant they spoke and people heard them in their languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, as God gave them words to use. The message wasn't theirs, the words weren't theirs. The power came from God. The mission came from God. The utterance came from God. And so God will want to use you 
through whatever He gives you to serve His humanity and to serve His children. And that's what you need to understand. That's what we all need to understand. We need to understand that we are vessels. We are chosen vessels. We are prepared vessels. We are glorious vessels. And that's not making you arrogant. That's just saying, you know what? When the queen goes out here on one of the high protocol official days, she goes out in a carriage fit for the monarch with the guards around her, with the pomp and the ceremony, with all of that. Why? Because she is worthy of that in her post. Now imagine, if this is a human earthly monarch, what about the king of kings? You're not just any vessel. You're not just any battered jalopy outside, you are that carriage. You are the royal carriage. Now that may not be a huge thing that people would look forward to, but if you think of it, you are set apart to carry the king. That's all you are. You are a chosen vessel to carry the king. In much the same way, although not exactly, as St. Mary, because the Virgin Mary was a chosen vessel who carried the king, but she carried the king in flesh. She carried the incarnate word. She actually bore him in flesh and gave birth to him in flesh. Now we bear him as well, but in spirit. We are still chosen and prepared vessels. And we must live as that. But also to be careful and not to get ahead of ourselves, we heed the words of St. Isaac the Syrian. Mysteries are revealed to the humble. The humble are counted worthy of receiving in themselves the spirit of revelations who teaches mysteries. So be aware of that power, but be aware that it is only the humble who receive the fullness of the gift of these mysteries. It is only the humble who receive the fullness of this revelation. Do you know why? Because the humble are always looking at God. And when you're always looking at God, you see what God wants you to see. But those who are more arrogant are either looking at themselves or looking at those around them to see either what they think of them or how they can be like the others. And so with all that distraction, if I'm looking at myself or looking at others, I'm not looking at God, so I'll never receive the fullness of the revelation. But if my eyes are on Him, that's what I see. That's what I have revealed to me. So it's important for us to be humble. 
it's important for us to understand the nature of our mission. Just as when we started speaking about the theophany, when St. John the Baptist gave witness and said, no, no, I am not the one you're seeking. I have just come to prepare the way for him. The one who you seek is actually far greater than me. I'm not even worthy to loose sandal straps. I'm just here to proclaim him. And we've got to make sure we remember that. He could have said, no, no, I'm not the Messiah, which, okay, is humble enough. He could have said, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not even as good as he is. But he said, I am not the Messiah, I am here to prepare the way. Do we understand that we have a function to prepare the way before God? And to prepare the way just simply means to be a focal point where sometimes people can look at me and through me see God. That's what it means to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, you look at this little hole, look inside it, and you see a much greater light. You see a light coming from it. You know, you don't see the fullness of the light until you look inside it and you see the fullness of the light. And that's what we are. We are a small entry point into the mystery of God, into the love of God, into the power of God, into the light of God. That's what it means to prepare the way. Come closer. Come and see. Come and look. Come closer because it is time for you to understand that that light actually exists. That light is there. Now, because we are his children, because we are his disciples, because we are those who follow in his footsteps, we need to understand what God does and how he wants us to do it. Our Lord himself, in Luke 4.18, speaks of the prophecy that pointed to him and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those oppressed. If those are good enough for him, then they are good enough for us. And how do we, how do we do all of these things? By being that small entry point into the light of God. By being an introductory step into people engaging with God. By being John the Baptist. By saying, yes, See, you're coming to me, but I don't even come close. And that was real humility. 
you know, all you need to do is give any of us, me included, some authority, any sort of spiritual insight, any leadership quality. You think, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm just, that's just me. You know, no, no, I'm just really humble. It's not me. It's God. But you can read through the lines and you think, no, actually, it's not God. It's completely you. You're saying one thing and living another. But St. John was, was very different. He said, no. You know what? I have come to preach the gospel. But so you could see through me. How do I heal the brokenhearted? By introducing them to the healer. By introducing them to the physician of our spirits and our souls. By introducing them to the one who can not only repair the heart, but fill the heart. How do I proclaim liberty to captives? Because I was a captive. And through God's presence in my life, I'm now at liberty. And you think, look at me. Not because I've done it, but because the knowledge of God has set me free. And so on, and so forth. Recovery of sight to the blind. Because you know what? If you see the light, then everything is exposed. And setting at liberty those oppressed, because our oppressor is Satan. And the minute you say, hang on, wait, there's an alternative. Look over here. One is an oppressor, and the, the other is a liberator. One wants to take you and bind you, and the other was bound to set you free. One comes to sap your power away, and the other descends upon you and enters into you to empower you and to give you life. But, but he won't force himself on us. You see all of these beautiful things? He'll come to us and say, here they are. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to ram them down our throats because that's not how God works. God wants us to accept him, to invite him, to be like him, but he's never going to force that upon us. Because, I mean, what does that mean? If I make you like me, then you're not really liking me. If I force you through, through fear, which some people do, or through bribe, or through any other means, am I really getting your real emotions? Am I really empowering you? Or am I weakening you? Because if you love me out of fear, or you love me out of need, or you love me out of greed, or you love me out of some other provision, then I'm actually taking away your freedom. I'm making you captive to me. But in actual fact, the way that God frees us is says, I'm here. I'm, I'm right here. If you want, come and drink. Come and eat. Come and take of the vine.
come and drink of the living water because it's all here for you. And I'm never ever going to withhold it. Act 751. Listen to this, and I wonder if this applies to any of us at any time. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Do we resist the Holy Spirit? Maybe not consciously. Maybe not consciously. The Holy Spirit is always going to work towards good. The Holy Spirit is only always going to work towards light, towards truth. So, yes, I probably don't resist the Holy Spirit directly and say, no, 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 I don't want you. But if he's directing me this way, and I'm pulling over that way, then that's resisting. If he's taking me towards a life of light and truth and power and freedom, and I'm going down the other way, down darkness and captivity and evil, then I'm resisting him. It doesn't feel like that sometimes, but it happens so gradually. So realistically, what do we do? We pray and say, Lord, we want to accept you. We want to receive you. We want that power that you're going to give us. We want to be obedient vessels. So please work in us. Work through us. Fill us. Empower us. Send us. Do all you need to do. Because at the end of the day, we want to be obedient vessels, receiving that power from on high, using it for the glory of your name, and responding to the calling with which you call us for the glory of your name and for the service of your world as you created it and as you desire it to be always. And glory be to God forever. Amen.